I'm Alex and this is the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode 20. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath, Chris and Dom. Hello, everyone. Hello. Good evening. <laughs> Chris has been ordered to do extra bants this evening. Extra bants. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of. I feel like I've I've done my homework badly because um, what 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 you're not picking up is the conversation we just had about a recording that didn't go quite according to plan. So yes, I need to kind of fill the gap and uh, redeem myself a little bit. So so I'm going to introduce you to somebody um, that I've come across on Twitter that has just really really made my week, and I want I think everybody that is on Twitter can just go and check check this guy out. Um, he's called um, Gurdip Pander. Um, and he's Canadian and he's Sikh and he's got this fantastic Twitter account um, where he puts up videos of him doing Bangra dancing in the middle of the the wilderness in in Canada and (laughs) it it has to be the happiest most joyful thing I have seen on Twitter forever You, you just cannot look at somebody doing Bangra dancing with that sort of level of commitment and not think oh that's Brilliant. I want to do that. So uh, I think we need to arrange some sort of workshop. Do we need to wangle away to get him on the podcast? Do we, to, do we need to find some sort of Newcastle link there to justify well, it? Well, it, it would be stretching the Geordie, uh, the Geordie remit to its absolute limits, I think. But yeah, yeah, it'd be fantastic. So yeah, Gurdip Panda of, of, of Yukon. Mm, I'll have to go check him out. Thanks, do Chris. Check him out. It is an idea to see if we could find an expat Geordie living in one of the other yeah. parts of the world. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so we could, do, we could yeah, do get that. in touch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you might have a you might have Geordie jeans. That's a very local joke. <laughs> is, that, is that a double entendre? <laughs> Uh, Well, carrying on the international theme, um, Mm. I heard recently that uh, an abstract that I wrote for a WHO European conference has been accepted to talk about the podcast. Mm. So uh, I'm going to be shouting out about the podcast to lots of people at this conference in December. So that should be interesting. It's online, of course, course. uh, but it should be uh, should be good fun. Yeah, so can we listen in? I should think so. Yeah, there'll probably be a way of uh, registering for it. I'd have thought. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'll uh, I'll keep you all posted. Is is there a way of doing virtual autographs? Or (laughs) (laughs) oh dear, we we are her friends. (laughs) (laughs) Fame, fatal fame. Oh dear. What about you, Don? What have you been up to? Um, not much, but I am looking forward to something tomorrow. That sounds good. I haven't got any Zoom meetings. It's <gasps> going to be amazing. How have you managed that? I don't know, but watch somebody spoil it. And put but one I'm, in. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I can. I might actually get some work done that I've been having loads of Zoom meetings about. <laughs> 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 it's going to be amazing. Oh, enjoy that then while it lasts. <laughs> so, can't wait. <laughs> right. Shall we introduce this week's guest interview? Yes. This week's episode is with Miles Wallace Clark, who is head teacher at Hotspur Primary School in Heaton. He's been head teacher there for the last 15 years, but is about to embark on a new adventure at the end of this year. So here's Miles talking about happiness and his reflections on his time at Hotspur. Miles, a very warm welcome to the Geordie Guide to Happiness. <laughs> Good morning. It's lovely to be talking about happiness. 
I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. So my name is Miles Wallace-Clark. For the last 15 years, I've been head teacher at Hotspur Primary School in Heaton in Newcastle. I've been a teacher for 31 years. I came to Newcastle to do my degree in creative and performing arts and stayed here. And I love living here. I'm originally from the south of England, grew up in the home counties. And I'm particularly interested in singing. And I do lots of singing. And I'm also very passionate about schools and learning and all those kinds of things. Lovely. We'll talk a little bit more about all of that uh, later on, I think. But uh, how are you feeling at the moment, Miles? <laughs> I'm feeling really happy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, answer. Well done. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's a strange time because in four and a half weeks, I'm leaving my work. Um, and it's it's something that's been a, a great, very consistent in my life. Uh, and I, I've been used to the, the, the kind of ebb and flow of school life, going in every day, uh, five days a week, obviously quite nice long holidays. Uh, but um, in January, I'm starting as, as freelance, doing a range of different things, uh, including being a celebrant, uh, doing work with schools, with cultural organisations. So that's exciting, but it's also quite scary. But uh, I'll be 55 in January. And it seems like a great time to be thinking of making some changes to life. So you've reached this kind of milestone in your your career. How are you feeling about it? Very mixed. I absolutely love uh, my work. I love going into school. I, for years and years, I haven't had a Sunday feeling, which I remember from when I was at school of that... I always used to think when it got to about quarter past three on a Sunday, oh, it's really just like being at school. <laughs> uh, so then I didn't enjoy the rest of Sunday. I, I haven't had that for, for decades. Uh, I'm really happy in my work, in my own environment with the, the people I work with. I, I work with a fantastic group of people. I love the variety of our children, the quirkiness of our children, uh, the fact that they are really different to each other by the time they they leave us and I think that's part of about being happy but but I find some of the constraints and pressures put on us by central government uh, just a little bit too much to bear um, and I think that the priorities are not the right priorities and if you make something like testing so important and, and it affects where you are on the league table and it affects your Ofsted outcomes then it starts People behave differently. They don't behave necessarily in the best interests of children. And that's that's always quite a difficult thing as a school leader to know there's things that you should be doing, but there's other things that you have to do and, and trying to get that balance right. And life is all about balance. Yeah. Um, and I think thinking about happiness, as I have been a little bit for today, thinking about getting that balance right. And I feel like I've done my bit. <laughs> I've done my 31 years in, in schools. So I, I can walk away and not feel guilty that I haven't tried and done my part. Uh, my, my two children went to, to Hotspur before we, before we moved. And I think the one thing that, that struck us as a family about Hotspur and what made it so special was that 
that focus on extracurricular stuff as well as the academic, the, the importance of that, you know, creating a rounded individual, which didn't just focus on the academia side of things. And I think that's what I think makes Hotspur special. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is that holistic, really broad and balanced education. And and if I think about my happiness, um, singing is one of the things that I love doing. I've mentioned that already. And I, mm-hmm. I started that at school and actually... For some of the time in my own school life, it was kind of the only thing I was really enjoying. And and it's something I've kept going. I was never going to do that as my career. I never thought about doing it as my career. But actually having those things that are leisure, hobby activities are really important. So saying to our children, actually, it could be could be sport, it could be music, it could be acting, it could be enjoying nature, but developing those things that actually, aside from work, they're the things that are going to sustain you through life. And when you're having a really difficult week, going to your choir practice on a Wednesday night is really important. And that sense of just being, for for me, of just singing and forgetting everything else. And sometimes you're just completely lost in the moment in that enjoyment of something that you you love and are passionate about. Um, and, and hopefully giving that to our children that they don't just think school is about preparing them for getting the very best job ever and earning the most amount of money. And I think that's also something that I've, that I've learned as time has gone on. I think we used to think, you know, I've, I, until I came to Hotspur, which is still, uh, you know, significantly got a lot of significant deprivation in it. Uh, before that, I worked in much more disadvantaged schools. And almost the aim was to find that uh, one child who, who made it despite everything else. And then, then that had been a success. Mm. Um, and, and actually, helping all children to lead balanced, happy lives is really important. And I think in terms of aspiration, thinking about your work-life balance. You know, how many days a week are you going to spend working how long are you going to spend, you know, great to be a lawyer, to make a real difference or whatever, but do you want to do that all the time? And I suppose that's what I've come to in my life, thinking, actually, I've, I've done the school bit, but now wouldn't it be great to wake up and be doing different things each day or sometimes cooking or baking or doing those other things that I love doing? Um, and and the money side of it, I, I suppose... I, I'm I'm lucky. I've built up a pension, and I can take that pension early. And it's it's not going to make me really rich, but it <laughs> but in another way, it is going to make me extremely yeah, in rich. In a different way. In in yeah. just enjoying time differently and being able to do the things that I really like doing. And that's that's a luxury. I I absolutely understand that's a luxury. Um, or I could carry on uh, teaching for another. 13 years until I fully reached pensionable age. Uh, and that that just, although I, although I absolutely love what I'm doing, that thought was a bit daunting. And also mm. the thought that I would then leave and go into full retirement, but actually having a balance of, yes, maybe a little bit less time working, but I could keep that going probably for longer than I could full-time work. Yeah. So going back to the singing then, you, mm-hmm. you, you sort of mentioned that as a sort of extracurricular thing that you've always been um, passionate about. What is it then about singing that, that brings you happiness? Obviously, I, I've, I've done it for, for many decades. And for me personally, 
even even the simplest singing in harmony sometimes just sends the hairs on my back up. You know, mm. I, I shiver with that excitement and it can be really, really simple. And that's why we've often done it on training days for staff. Um, and there's much more research and evidence around now about the physiological benefits, the well-being benefits, um, all those benefits of singing. Um, and, and actually, I want staff to experience that. So they can say, oh, that's why we do it with our children. And when we, uh, when we do singing with our children at school, they sit around three sides of our hall. And for me, that, that really shows the kind of feeling of community and of belonging. It isn't, as I used to do at school, rows of children all facing the head teacher. So yeah. we were almost performing for the head teacher. It's everybody taking part in that. And when we sing on a Friday morning, particularly in our golden assembly, you know, all the adults join in that singing as well. And it's a, it's a really joyous occasion. For me, it's the kind of heartbeat the soul of our school so that's been a little bit tricky not being able to sing for quite a while and we um we did a led a project for paul hamlin foundation over two years uh working with uh, 70 teachers training them in how they could lead singing in their schools because so many of my colleagues other head teachers sort of said oh it's something we used to do but it's fallen to the way fallen by the wayside a little bit so actually bringing that back in for schools for me was really important. Uh, twice in my career, I've gone into schools where they didn't have any singing before I went. And I've always described them as kind of like barren deserts, you know, <laughs> harsh, dry ground with cracks in. And, and singing is something you can do really quickly. It's, it's cheap. You don't need lots of resources. You need a little bit of confidence and competence if you're going to lead it. But very quickly, you can have children singing, singing in parts, and making a lovely sound and sort of turning that barren desert into a luscious rainforest dripping in, in moisture <laughs> and wonderfulness. So singing is important to me personally. And I sing in a, in a choir uh, called Sunday Nominee. It pulls people from across the UK and we meet four times a year. And then every other year we tour and we sing at, at a very high standard. And that's, that's lovely. But singing a simple round with adults who've never sung before is also really exhilarating. And singing with children, and also, you know, that's how we mark everything at school, the beginning of term, the end of, end of term, really uh, happy events, but also sad events. We, we had very sadly a member of staff who died, and singing was how we brought the school community back together again. Yeah. So yes, it's, it's a pastime and a hobby, but for me, it's, it's absolutely everything as well. Uh, and it makes me extremely happy when I do it. One of the highlights for, for us as, as a family was always the Christmas singing at the end of the autumn term. Um, just You knew it was Christmas yes. when you're at the, the Hotspur uh, singing uh, at, at and, Christmas. And for me too, and actually the decisions about when I was going were all based around doing that at the end of this term. Yeah, yeah. Um, and last year we had... 26 people in the band and some of those were former pupils who'd gone off mm -hmm. to music college and came back and some were pupils who'd just gone into year seven so recently left uh, and lots of our parents and uh, peripatetic teachers uh, and it was a, a really really wonderful occasion um, made me feel very warm inside and so the thought of not doing it this year has been quite horrific really mm. um, 
it's one of those things I'll I'll get over. But also for me, I think um, it's one of the things we've maybe lost uh, at that time when everybody went to church just because everybody went to church. They took part in that kind of communal singing activity. Uh, I'm not saying everyone should go to church, but it did give that kind of opportunity. And and I know there were lots of parents. Our school is sort of seventy eight percent atheist and agnostic. But uh, lots of atheists would take the time off work to come to school to sing carols because it was a a shared reference point. Mm. And people of my kind of generation talk about the songs that they sang at school. And there was a a certain group of songs um, like uh, Lord of the Dance and and those kind of songs uh, which had their time and place. But it's great to have a shared repertoire. Um, and and something that takes you back acts as a as a, a link back to those memories of childhood or of of just enjoyment or of simpler times, happier times in your life. Um, and so one of the things we we've worked on quite a lot at Hotspur is that core repertoire, a set of songs that keeps going that mm. children of any any generation will know if they've been at Hotspur. And so we've particularly over lockdown been recording those and putting them out each week uh, so children can can reconnect through that singing. Yeah, um, yeah so it, it is really, really important to me. Um, and I suppose it's been a, a, a cornerstone of my career. And one of the things that I've started doing recently is um, chairing the trustees of Sing for Pleasure, which is National um, Choral Singing Organisation. So I'm looking forward to doing more of that and supporting that organisation. It trains a lot of people in how to teach singing, how to conduct singing, and develops a lot of repertoire really suitable for uh, schools, but also for beginner choirs and more advanced choirs. So there'll definitely be still lots of that in in whatever I do in the future. Yeah. So you've touched on the the, the singing events as particularly happy moments for you in your school career. Can you think back over the years have there been any other kind of standout really happy moments for you in your in your career many many of them I love great big whole school projects uh, for all sorts of reasons um, I think it really brings staff teams together and that creativity that oozes out of people once you once once somebody suggests something and somebody else says oh yeah we could do this could do that uh one that we did in 2013 was a a whole school project about the ooze burn and in fact we were going to do that in the summer just gone because it was seven years on so all the children done it had actually moved on to secondary Mm. school and just flooding the ooze burn valley with our children was just wonderful. We did a, we did a maths challenge morning, and everywhere you looked in Usburn Valley was full of our children in their <laughs> blue tops doing maths activities. Uh, but finding out about all sorts of other things, and then we had a big celebration day at school in the car park. No no staff could park there, and we had um, Stepney Bank stables were there. We had people cooking paellas. Um, we had uh, people showing about nature in the valley, all, all kinds of activities happening, and of course some singing. But the kind of that feeling of celebration and joy in learning and the things that it sparked off, so some of those relationships that we made then are still sustained to this day. Mm. Um, and one of the things we did with Seven Stories was they created a, um, a storytelling area in one of our learning pods at school which was so lovely that we've now got that permanently in school so 
you, you never quite know what's going to come from those big kind of projects, mm-hmm. but always, always unexpected things. And always some of the things that you've planned don't work out. And that never worries me anymore. Oh, that's the best thing about projects, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> isn't it? Yes. When, when it doesn't go to plan, actually. Yes. And it <laughs> yeah. develops its own its own legs and everything. Um, and obviously our school site is just fabulous. Yeah. And so often people come into it and say, I can't believe this is right on the edge of the city centre. And it's, it's a huge field surrounded by trees. So in the summer, you, you just completely forget where you are. And those rare summer days where it's completely unplanned and just all the children tumble out of their classrooms and they're rolling around on the field and just just enjoying it is is just so magical but then also there's you know there's there's very sad times at school and and we know that some of our children have really complex challenging difficult lives mm. and and sometimes that, that does mean involving children's social care and, and children going into care and things. But actually seeing the difference that, that can make to children's lives uh, and really seeing people's lives turn around or working with families and just helping to sort out some of the issues they've got. Feeling that you've played a part in, in, in really making a difference to people's lives it gives you such a sense of um, that it was worthwhile. There were those really, really happy times, but there were other times when you think this was really significant that we did this. Yeah. So when you're looking back, um, I mean, I, I, I think of so many wonderful times, but also that difference for specific children and their families. Another, another really great occasion was we did um, a big project called uh, The Wise Sage, and The Wise Sage came off from a far off land. It was the island of Utopia. And um, she'd heard of the children of Hotspur and their core values, and she wanted to come and test them out. <laughs> and um, so she came in these flowing robes and handed out these golden envelopes. And we've got a, a wooden tower in our field. And so she was up there, and that was all mic'd up. And, and then they did various challenges during the weeks to, to show that they had these values. And then we had a huge celebration at the end of the week. And um, this was a little while ago when we didn't think anything about putting messages in balloons and setting them off, uh, which we might do environmentally <laughs> now. But, um, so every child had to write something about, about what made them happy, what their belief was, what their values were, anything really positive. They, and they curled up and put it in a balloon. And then we got a, this huge, so this huge, huge net of all these helium balloons. And then we uh, released them, but hadn't checked where the wind was going. And all the balloons just blew into the trees. <laughs> but then over the afternoon, they just eventually bobbled out. They all bobbled oh, out. So it was, it was even better. And we decided we were going to end the afternoon with, um, we were going to release some doves, was this, this idea. Because originally we wanted the wise sage to be taken back to her land in a hot air balloon. We realised that wasn't really viable on the school field. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> really because of the weather, the weather. And um, unpredictability. So we decided we would ha- have these doves and, and a granddad kept pigeons. And he said, well, I've got some white pigeons. They could be the doves. And then as it got near, he said, oh, I forgot they're racing actually on that day. So the only pigeons you can have are the ones that can't really fly very well, <laughs> uh, which actually for me was much better than having the purest white pigeons as doves. 
But there was that moment when we released them from their baskets where we did think, what if they just drop from from this wooden tower on the ground? But they didn't. They they all sort of flew up and they all went a bit wild. And then they congregated in a I mean we couldn't have written it better. In a group, all above the children on the field. And uh, a parent turned to me and she said, um, education doesn't get any better than this, does it? Mm-hmm. And, and I've always held on to that, those kind of moments that might work, but might not. <laughs> but something else would come out of it, yeah. you know. Uh, and that, that moment where you think, this is just magic. It's, it's brilliant. It, we didn't know it was going to be like this, but it is And having the field and the weather and all of that helps. But you can create those kind of moments anywhere. And and it just it's just a little a little bit of thought and planning and creativity and imagination and collaborating together. Mm. And one of the things I'll just keep talking till you stop me. (laughs) One of the things (laughs) things we did during the lockdown was um, obviously we're doing all that the home learning and that brings Lots of challenges and difficulties for people. Um, and then we decided we wanted to do something just a bit more creative. So we started what we called the quest. And and I knew it was going to work because on a Monday evening at eight o'clock, which is the time everyone had decided was the best time to have a Zoom meeting, 13 members of staff turned up because they wanted to do this exciting project. And it had all kinds of dimensions because there were so many people planning it. But I, I played the king of Uzthorpe, which is an anagram of Hotspur. And there was another land, Afrenos, which is the Latin for Hotspur, mm. and the, the, which was the, the kingdom had split. And then uh, there was a wall between these two nations and they wouldn't speak to each other. And all these myths grew up about each other. And, and eventually we held a referendum to see if we were going to uh, build a bridge over the wall. Although, of course, eventually we took the wall down. And and lots of staff dressed up as different characters. Children dressed up as characters. Children made cakes or they made bridges. But they all came and attached um, little... Uh, we sent them all... We sent them this lovely map and luggage labels. And they had to give their family a name and a motto. And then they came and tied it with ribbon to the school gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was much, much more to it. But just that idea that even though we couldn't be in school, um, it wasn't all just about kind of watching a computer. You could be really creative and you could connect up again via the school gate. So then whenever people walked past or whenever I came into school, I would see all these luggage labels hanging there written by children. And, And that was, you know, out of kind of the worst kind of circumstances, you could still inject some happiness and creativity and wonderfulness that made a difference to people's lives. And so many people after said, oh, we just love that. Mm. That lifted our spirits at just the right time. I think that was the danger, wasn't it, during the, the last few months, that you would just be sitting in front of a computer yeah. for hours on end. And as you say, yeah, learning can happen beyond sitting in front of a you know a computer and a screen. Yeah. Fab. Oh, I love. That. I think I saw some of that on social media. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, one of the events, projects that stuck in my mind was turning up to school one day and finding the field cordoned off. Oh yes, like a crime scene. Yes, and <laughs> yeah. there were footprints cut out of the grass, and it was just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's all of those those. I think learning 
should be surprising at times and unexpected and uh, a little a little bit scary you know unnerving because we learn out of diversity uh, and adversity and so um yeah we at one point we had a spaceship we've had dinosaur prints on the field uh, and then it's things like the local police saying oh yeah well if if we're not doing anything we'll come along and we'll stand there and they just add add to that whole it was experience. brilliant yeah i think the field was smoking in the distance yes. something yeah. and, and you know not even the parents knew what was going yes. on it was like what and you could tell uh, there were those parents who who just were beaming thinking oh this is going to be a fun week and some parents who said is it really a spaceship that's crashed into the field <laughs> <laughs> and really worrying but yes i think given that all those pressures that are put on us around national tests and and all of that kind of Ofsted, um, creating those kind of moments where you can actually breathe and and think about other things are really important. Yeah. And and also, I'm very aware that that school is a significant part of children's childhoods, and childhoods should be exciting and fun and memorable, and not just about filling empty vessels with knowledge mm. it's also and we've done a lot of work on diversity and equality uh, which at times has been a little bit controversial and people have said oh these children are too young to know about same-sex relationships or whatever else uh, and I think it's the absolute best time because we know that that there are children in school who already start to think about their identity and worrying not not nearly as much now as as they might have done, and particularly not at our school in Heaton, which is a bit of a bubble in Newcastle, which is a bit of a bubble within the northeast, and all of that. Um, but but helping children to be happy in who they are is really important. Mm. And one of the best compliments was a, a former pupil who um, I he'd come to do some work experience, and, and uh, he was in sixth form. And he was sitting in my office at the end of the time and he was just saying, oh, it's it's really surprising now when, when children at secondary school come out. And, and he said, oh, they often do it on Facebook and they get loads of support and it, it's just really lovely to see that. And I said, oh, that's, that's really encouraging. Uh, and, and he said, oh, there are though, there's a disproportionate number of children from Hotspur who seem to come out uh, at secondary school and I said mm, and I said sometimes people would blame us for mm. kind of our liberal curriculum that perhaps we're creating that and he, he just said oh no what, what you gave us was a confidence to be ourselves mm. and if we can do that you know, knowing the kind of trauma that people have about their identity um, if we can help them overcome that uh, and when you look at things like uh, levels of young male suicide, with people just aren't happy with who they are, you know, that's a really important role for schools. But also just to make children aware of the diversity in society so they don't end up being racist, sexist, homophobic person. And I think most primary school children don't start school with a lot of prejudice but they often leave year six with prejudice. And, and that's not because, it's not because schools teach it, but maybe they don't do enough to, to 
teach the wonderfulness of diversity yeah. and and to challenge that prejudice when it happens. So quite often we might have if we if we have instance which might be seen as a little racist, they're with our youngest children. That's because they don't know. Mm. And that's our that's our job to help them understand and know the world they're going to live in. Because uh, if if they're happier, if they're more content with the people around them, everyone's going to be a little bit happier. Which I suppose reminds me of uh, one a, a child, a child, Jonah came to me a few years ago and he said, oh, I'd like you to read this book. And it was the book Wonder. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, I've read it and I really like it. And it's made me really think about things. And I'm going to ask a lot of people to read it and tell me what they think about it. So I just love the fact that a child had come and said, read this book. That was, that was brilliant. Um, and there were so many lovely ideas. It was a child who was physically uh, quite different. Mm-hmm. The kind of child you would notice instantly who was mm-hmm. different. Uh, and, and his experiences of school. And, and one, of the, one of the things in there was that idea that everyone should be kinder than is necessary. Yeah. And um, I, it, we, we talked about that for a year at school. Be kinder than is necessary. Yes, you might have to do this, this and this, but actually go beyond that. And yeah. what kind of difference does it make to everybody's happiness if we all go that little bit further? And I suppose for me also thinking about happiness is that idea that, you know, we all we all take from society and what do we put back into it? What what's our contribution? And it can be it can be tiny and it can be really varied. It doesn't we don't all have to save the world. We we might but we might do some litter picking in our street. We've just this week my assembly theme has been um a drop in the ocean and that idea that particularly adults to children often say oh you can't solve the problem of of global warming you can't solve homelessness uh what you're going to do is just like a drop in the ocean yeah and, and the assembly this week has been about actually the ocean is made of lots of drops and if we don't all put our drops in there's no ocean but we looked at some children who've who started movements and there was there's a, a a boy who who had noticed a homeless brother and sister who only had one pair of shoes, so they took it in turns to go to school, and um, he so he gave them one of his pairs of trainers, which started a charity called Gotta Have Soul, uh, which ended up giving ninety nine thousand homeless children shoes, and so uh, and another one, a, a boy who aged seven, started doing some recycling. And it was called Ryan's Recycling. And he had 50 <laughs> people that he went and collected bottles and cans from and ended up with this huge pile of stuff that he took to recycling. And she so was just saying to children, actually, you know, those funny little ideas you have, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how small it is. It can make a difference on its own. It can, be, it can be one of those drops in an ocean, but it can be a drop that actually has ripples yeah. that have much bigger impact. And we don't start those things necessarily expecting them to have huge impact. But small little things can c- c- kind of excite other people's imagination and, and then they go with it. And, and even the things that have been happening with school meals. You know, mm. a footballer says, I was a free school meal child. And then, and then that just 
grows into a, into a bigger kind of it just exploded movement. didn't it it was yeah. yeah 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 so thinking beyond the end of this term which yes. actually isn't that far away is it no four um, and a half weeks <laughs> ah, um january then what are you looking forward to i'm looking forward to freedom <laughs> um I suppose I, I always get up quite early and I'm great in the morning, but I'm always focused on, I always iron my shirt in the morning. And so do all those routines and not having to do that in the morning is, is going to be exciting. Uh, not necessarily having to work on a Monday morning, but doing other things. Managing my time differently. So I quite like, I, I'm quite happy working at six o'clock in the morning, but then I might have all my work out of the way by lunchtime. Yeah. And variety. I'm looking forward to obviously still keeping in touch with school and, and seeing how that develops. And, and there's, as I've said, a really fabulous team of people and seeing what they, what they go on to do. Um, so maybe just spending a little bit more time kind of reflecting mm-hmm. on, on, on what it is I want to do. Obviously I'm, I'm going to be a celebrant of funerals and weddings and, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've got some work lined up with some cultural organisations. So Gary, my husband, is also leaving Headship and, and we've formed a company and we're going to do work with schools. But just of all the bits that we love doing. Uh, but one of the things we're developing is a, is a wellbeing programme for school leaders because actually it's it's pretty harsh in schools at the moment. Uh, I mean, yes, at the moment, but... But anyway, you know, it's it's a it's a fantastic job. Being a primary school head teacher is is su- such a wonderful thing in many ways. You know, in one day you can be working with three and four year olds. You can be doing a budget plan for the next three years. You can be doing some harmony singing with a whole group of key stage two children. Um, you can be having those little interactions with individual children. Uh, you know, it, it's such a wonderful thing. But it's it's very draining as well. I've I've got and a few friends who are teachers, and I know how hard they work. You know, it yeah. really frustrates me on the news when people say, "Oh, but they finish work at three o'clock." Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "No, they don't." Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. how hard people work who are teachers. Yeah. Um, so developing this program of kind of around well-being and mm. creating space for school leaders to just think about what really is important mm. because you you can end up being just quite reactive and it's good to have that space and time to become a little bit more proactive and really working out kind of what your priorities are uh, and that and that's a balance and it's always been a balance for me between doing enough that I need to do in terms of national testing and Ofsted and things because because I know, because I've been in that kind of position, it's horrific when you when you fall foul of that. But also doing those things that you really believe are important and essential for children, so that they can they can leave lead successful and happy lives in the future. Mm-hmm. And that isn't about them all becoming really rich. It's about them understanding the importance of balance and of what makes them happy. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about your your career, which is, you know, obviously take takes up a lot of our time. You know, we spend a lot yes. of time at work. Um, but personally, alongside the singing, mm-hmm. what, what other things bring you happiness, Miles? 
I, I guess it's it's relationships, and the, mm-hmm. those key relationships for me are Gary, my husband, and Oscar and Lily, uh, who are children, who are now twenty three and twenty one, and and actually one of the unexpected things of lockdown was they both they both came home and they were here all that time, and um, the kind of something that had become really rare about the just the four of us sitting around having a meal became the norm Mm. and we did it day after day and it was just wonderful sitting and it I love food I love cooking and I love eating meals with other people so actually doing that over and over again as a family of four was really lovely Um, and I love going on holiday so with my wider family um, 12 of us went to Cornwall in the summer with my parents and my sister and just spending that time again Lots of meals, lots of sitting around talking, that kind of the way that family roots you and all those memories you have. And both of both the children have turned 21 recently, obviously, and, and I created photo books for them the first 21 years. And just looking back at all those times, but so many of the pictures were around food and they were around <laughs> being on holiday and just spending time together. Uh, and again, realizing how lucky how lucky I am to be able to have had those kind of holidays and things over the years, but but actually the spending of time together has been really really important, and that will that will continue. It will be different. Uh, Oscar's in Manchester now. Lily's in Glasgow. They're both studying. Oscar's doing a master's. And Lily's doing her degree, um, and they've been away now for quite a few weeks. So thinking about them coming back. Uh, shortly is is for me really exciting and it's mm-hmm. one of the things I look forward to seeing what they become what their lives become in the future and and what part I will I be playing a big part in it I hope <laughs> uh, will they settle here will they settle somewhere else will they have families that's really exciting um, but also uh, you know one of the things I suppose I, I mean, I'm really missing is that interaction with other people with with friends and and groups of friends at the moment and I look forward to getting back to that but also because schools have been open all the way through I still have that distanced interaction with lots of colleagues Mm. and that's kept me sane I I wouldn't be very good on a desert island on my own I kind of really love seeing people and meeting people and of course singing with people which I just started to do again till lockdown two came in yeah. So I'm looking, yeah, relationships and people, I think, are the things I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And I think this period of time has made us realise just how important and special they are and not to take them for granted and to enjoy them even more. Well, I think that's probably a, a perfect place to, to end there, yes. Miles. I think... Well, um, I, I have loved doing this. I've loved great. chatting to you about it. <laughs> It feels like 2021 is going to be a, a positive year for you and, I'm and Gary so. yeah. moving forward. Um, yeah, so yeah. thank you so much for your time this morning. It's much appreciated. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So that was Miles. Kath, what did you think? I found this absolutely fascinating for for an, a number of reasons, and I'll I'll start with the the least obvious one <laughs> because I realised 
three quarters of the way through that I'd almost stop listening to what he was actually saying because he was so happy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just just listening to him be happy mm-hmm. was enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And I thought, is that a valid thing to comment on? But it was. I, I just got swept up in his enthusiasm and love for life and love for other people and care for other people. So that was quite amazing. And uh, I just I just thought, I wish he'd been one of my teachers. So <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I think I think that was the main thing that, that I got out. I mean the content was wonderful. But another thing that's that crept up on me was how much we're gathering together with all of the interviewees and that, that he added another dimension to everybody else's material. So yeah. it was it was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And I loved his I, I wish I could hear him sing as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kath. Don, what about you? Um well, I've got, I guess I've got two main things, one quite lighthearted and one one quite serious. And then I'll start with the light light one first. And that it was interesting to hear him talk about his coming to Newcastle to do his degree in uh, creative and performing arts. I always just imagine head teachers are, are born fully formed head teachers. <laughs> the, the first words out of the mouth are like, don't run down the corridor, <laughs> something like that. So you forget that people have had their whole lives before they even start teaching, don't you? And mm. that was really, that was actually genuinely interesting. And but the, the main thing was just how he was encouraging people to have confidence in themselves. That was a message that was so universal. With this podcast called The Geordie Guide to Happiness, and it's it's about a specific part of the world. But the messages, I think, that we get from a lot of the podcasts are universal, and that was one of them. That was one of those moments for me where it really resonated. It was really important, yeah. It was that, uh, that bit about being kinder than is necessary, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, be kinder than you need to be which is just a universal thing, isn't yep. it? Yeah, yep. completely. You, do, you don't you, always Don. think about it, though, do you? you how kindness, mm. to give kindness, and you re- you receive more back than you, you give. What about you, Chris? I loved what you were saying about singing. There was something mm. just joyous about how he was talking about what it does to the people in his school and you know how it, it actually formed this central parts of the school's calendar it's not just a question of kind of standing up and letting some air out of your lungs in a particular way actually there was something much more yeah speaking from experience yeah speaking from experience the christmas sing song is something to behold it really is it's such a big community thing everyone talks about it everyone looks forward to it and it's just yeah as you say the central central part of the school it really is yeah because I used to I used to sing in choirs. My my, my dad actually he was um, he retired a little while ago. Um, he was a conductor uh, for a choir up in Edinburgh, um, and he was he did that for about thirty years. Um, and I sang in that choir occasionally. Sang in choirs at school, and even though I can remember the feeling of you know really sort of belting something out, something tremendous, whether it was something kind of popular or classical, it didn't really matter. You're part of an eighty strong group of people, all just singing their hearts out in glorious harmony and it felt fantastic and you do feel you feel closer to people through through singing i've actually got a recurring dream you know some people have kind of dreams of freedom and exhilaration that's usually kind of flying through the clouds for me it's singing Mm -hmm. it's it's just 
just letting my voice rip. And in my dreams, mm. I think I sound like Pavarotti. Obviously. <laughs> in real life, not so much. But it's that kind of feeling of just opening up and just singing. And uh, yeah, he was talking about sort of singing in church. And that's something, you know, I go to a church in, in Gosforth. And it's the fact that that's something, that communal singing that we haven't been able to do um, for months mm. and months now. We do our best. Um, but I think we're all sort of itching for that moment when we can mm. get back into a building and sing together. Yeah. Because um, you, you, you feel together when you're singing together. I, I went on a Learn to Sing course Ooh. a few years ago. And because I always thought I couldn't sing. And apparently everybody can sing. They just don't, mm-hmm. don't always know that. And so it was six weeks and it was a wonderful experience. It was, it was fantastic. So now I know which range that I can sing in mm-hmm. and how to hold the part. And uh, so I look back on that really as a, a, a good thing to do. Yeah. I loved his description of um, a school with no music as a sort of barren Barren wasteland, wasteland. <laughs> cracked, cracked pavements, and the school yeah. with music was a luscious rainforest. Uh, I just love that description that he used to describe the difference. Um, anything else, Chris? That's the thing which really sang out for me. So I'm going to leave it at that. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing was um, looking looking forward because obviously he's at a critical point in his life. Um, when he talked about um, looking forward to being rich in time. Mm. Mm. And I thought that was a very elegant way of, of looking forward in, into a, a new world, really. I really was impressed by that. Mm. Yeah. I think the thing that stuck out for me was him talking about aspiration amongst uh, young mm. people. And that actually it's not just about the academics. It's not just about, I think he used the term mm. empty vessel, uh, you know, filling children with with knowledge. It's not just about the academia. It's about that having that rounded ex- life experience. So having those hobbies, mm-hmm. having those interests, so that when, when you're not at work, there's still something for you to kind of focus on and enjoy. Um, so, you know, you're not defined by your work. Um, and career, I thought that was really, really important. Oh, I wish I'd learned that lesson when I was thirteen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. take me, take me quite a few years to sort of come to terms with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you very much, everybody, and thank you, Miles, for your time. That was a great interview. Thank you. So, if you've been inspired by this podcast episode, then we would love to hear from you. We love to hear your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you. You can get in touch via email, hello at thegeordieguidetohappiness.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Geordie Guide, or on Facebook, The Geordie Guide to Happiness. And as always, I want to give a shout out to our funders. This project wouldn't be possible without support from the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund at the Community Foundation. So thank you so much for your support. We've reached the end of another episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the Geordie Guide to Happiness so far. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode.